Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Good story. It's sort of a feel-good story, but you know, it's the closest we're going to get. That's right. I suppose so. It is Cave Comedy Radio, after all. <laughs> all right. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel, uh, joined by Saman Arbabi today. Housekeeping. Oh, hello, housekeeping. How are you? I'm doing good. What are you here to do? Um, I don't know. I'm here to give you some fresh towels and some mints. Maybe you want some mints on your pillows? Can I well, this is the best damn Sheridan I've ever been to. <laughs> this is great. I'm sorry, I'm being a little bit too festive, maybe, because I, I just got back from being out away you were on vacation saman or bobby you're a busy man you're constantly putting out uh parasite of course the iranian version of the daily show that's going on 10 doing unbelievably well on 10 on 10 that was the old show this is the new one. Oh, yeah. this is on 10 oh this yeah. is different than parasite yes it's called sir. on 10 <laughs> yes Glad. well just when they say i don't research my guests <laughs> you know i like to prove the audience right every now and again yeah, That's that was bad. that was the old show. This is the new show, but and it's, it's, it's a similar. hot show. People are loving it. Yes, they can't get enough of it. Never. And you have a and this is one thing, uh, Marcus. You'll be interested in hearing Simon Arbabi. He's a brilliant man, and a lot of the things that you say, a lot of the jokes that you make, a lot of the funny witticisms that your mind creates uh, comes with death threats. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> Very interesting. And it comes with death threats because they're, they're a bit vulgar. They're a bit out there. They're a bit um, illegal to say in Iran. So you came up with a brilliant segment that's the beginning uh, at the beginning of all of your shows where it's in the uh, it's in the conference room and uh, it's sort of a, a sort of a fly on the wall situation. Right. And you get to hear everybody discussing the jokes that you can't stay on air. Right. So th- th- this is what I told um, Ben uh, Marcus. <clears throat> came up with this really stupid idea but it ended up being really good um 80 of the jokes that we want to put in the show we couldn't do it because you can't talk about it on the air what were some of the what are some of the things that you can't talk about just you know cock jokes oh you can't do that in a run well cock ass you can't really do it on television like when you're trying to have a political show but cock and politics politics kind of go together especially especially in the united states so that's a whole new genre of humor that we're creating polycock humor oh yeah it's brilliant Last podcast on the left, it's all horror comedy, you uh-huh. know, comedy. And then this is, that sounds like an Iranian word. Right. So the first three three minutes of the show is d- dedicated to the rejected jokes yeah. that <laughs> never made it to the show, which are usually funny anyway, but yeah. so you don't want to like make the show sound cheap. You don't put it in the show, but they're actually pretty funny. It's great. So anyway, that's how the show starts. It starts with three minutes of the rejected jokes. Nothing but dick jokes up top. That's how you got to start. It's not all for the dick young jokes, com- but mostly cock jokes. Cock Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I got my my vernacular was all wrong. That's that. Well, you you got to pay attention. To I'm sitting show. over here thinking that Saman is some sort of hacky fucking blue Andrew Dice Clay with his dick jokes. And little did I know, it's cock jokes. There you go. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. On oh, ten. Um. By the way, if it was an Iranian word, it'd be chomedi. Chomedi. That's good. Chomedi. I can't do it. Marcus. How am I doing? That's very good, except uh, the last part. Are you trying to say Khomeini? No, no, no. I'm trying to say he said comedy. Oh, said comedy. Khomeini. No. <laughs> no. Horror comedy. Actually, actually, comedy in Farsi or in uh, Persian language is comedy. <laughs> oh, it's very close. <laughs> so you don't have to go with a khe or any of that. <laughs> Saman, how are the death Well, threats? I like the khe. I know. You can, it's okay. I like that you can you know, add it. I don't think that you can actually go to the Middle East with dry mouth. You couldn't speak to anybody. There's always so much saliva. There you is. Know? Farsi's not that bad, though. 
though. It's not, what's the what's the most saliva filled language? I think it's it, it could be Hebrew. I'd say Hebrew. Hebrew. I'd say full of it. Hebrew. Huh? Hebrew's yeah. got more chiz and ziz and what happens if you're sick? You know what happens if you if you if you just you've been working out, you've been playing a basketball game. Let's say in North uh, North Korea, um, and uh, you're running all around the uh, the court there, and you want to yell at uh, you know one of your teammates, but you can't get it out because you have no saliva, and you're and you're a Jewish speaking fellow. Then that would sound like more like Arabic because yeah. they would be like. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, so that's the major difference between the languages. Basically, Israelis just have a bunch of Coca Cola. Hebrew and Arabic are Semitic. Uh, Farsi's. Uh, Indo-European, so it's 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 most people don't understand what which, which, which region it comes from because yeah. it sounds kind of like European. It sounds like non-European. It's a mixture of both. Well, they're beautiful. I was, I, was, I you know what, Marcus, what? I have to, I have to get with an Iranian gal. It must happen. Every time Please. I take, yeah, I try to hook you up. I, and I do a good job, Saman. I do a good I, job, I, I but then they're always leaving. If you've done a good job, then why hasn't it happened yet? Because one time my room was too messy and I couldn't take her back. Well, that wasn't uh, my fault. No, that was my fault. No, it's not your fault necessarily. Um, and then a couple of times, I mean, let's be honest, you were throwing some beaters at me. No. You know, you were, th- you were throwing, you were throwing, uh, you know. I think your size. A couple of laundry middle, day middle, gals. Middle Easterners aren't. Typically, as large as as most, large as big as like us here in the states, especially. I don't want to. Like I don't want to put you know tits on a pig here. I don't know, man. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just as large. thinking the beer, B-roll that probably goes on in, inside her mind, picturing you. You're picturing my mind like the way that the, the way that Crumb animated his I women. I don't know. I don't. But we'll keep on working on that. Thank I, you. So just give me an Iranian woman for Christ's sake. We'll How hard you, is it? We will hook you up. I'm going to be nice to her. Take her out to uh, any number of places. Well, you'll be nice to, to her for at least the first two well, weeks. First I'm nice to him for a month. That's, <laughs> That's not insane, the Marcus. problem. Don't, right now we got to figure out if under the sanctions, even if you're allowed to bang one. The sanctions? <laughs> That's not Obama didn't write that. Okay. Well, we're, we'll figure it out. Oh my goodness. There are a lot of things you can't do with your on yeah we'll figure this one out yeah, it's I, gonna be great i know we said that we were gonna start with, with something uh something else but what yeah. i have been wanting to ask you about for a while iran the uh, scaling back of the nuclear program because it says here that iran has pledged to start eliminating some of its uranium stockpile on january 20th that's mm. the official statement from the white house is this bullshit <laughs> i mean you don't know man that, that's that's the thing <laughs> like thing. see the thing is like it, um, the same president was actually the the lead nuclear negotiator mm-hmm. before Ahmadinejad, and during his time, they voluntarily halted the enrichment of uranium and all sorts of stuff. And this is why they consider this guy a progressive lefty over there. Yeah. So anything that could happen yesterday may not happen tomorrow, or vice mm-hmm. versa. But right now, I mean, the sanctions have worked so much that these guys have definitely scaled back and pretty much accepted everything that the West said. Um, you know, limiting everything and 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 um, they can enrich as the you know as pure as they want it to. Well, they haven't could be used. They haven't accepted everything the West said because the, uh, where's my woman? That was written down in the goddamn document. That we need to talk to the State Department. Figure out Get, what you work with the U.S. government. I, this is where we, things Send got lost between Kerry and and Clinton. But we'll yeah. figure that out. All right. All so right. is this guy as progressive as he says he is, or as everyone says he is, or is he just blowing smoke up our ass? Uh, it's Which, a, by the way, that could feel good. It's a little <laughs> bit of both. You know, this yeah. guy's definitely like okay. He's one of the most progressive, if not the most progressive president Iran's ever had mm. in the last 30 some years 34 years but that's also partly because of the sanctions and all the pressure that's been put on the country that they couldn't put up with more pressure and I mean people were just getting really pissed off mm-hmm. and it was time for someone to come and relieve some of that pressure and and open some, you know be able to I mean you couldn't get medicine for a while in Iran and things like that because of the sanctions and all that so this guy is kind of like stepping back from all this stupid shit that Ahmadinejad was doing for the last eight years um, just, so he's letting some of the steam out. Are people uh, that's it. D- are people upset with him? Do they think he's no? Being he's too very weak? popular. He's so extreme. he's doing well. And this actually going back to your show on ten, mm. uh, which I just knew at the beginning of the show yeah, was called on ten. You were testing me. Um, it's cool. That's right. <laughs> it's always a series of tests over here. It made it more difficult for you though uh, to do comedy um, when it just you know when it comes to attacking the government of Iran because the people actually kind of love this guy. Very I mean, true. as a comedian, I mean, that's the sick irony. Everyone's like, oh, they're all the liberals in Hollywood, all the liberals um, that are uh, in the entertainment business. Liberals need Republicans in office. Business it's, is always better. So it's, much better. It's kind of like criticizing Bush right after 9-11. 
Yeah. But on the flip side, <laughs> you know, it's after so many years of like just getting fucked up under the, you know, the pressures of the san- san- mm-hmm. sanctions. And now the people are looking up to this guy as someone who's helping them out to make their daily life a little bit better. Is so the daily- criticizing him. Is there a is there a um, evidence on the ground of an improved life, yeah. or is it uh, is it all just still in the rhetoric? No, there is. There is definitely um, dollars, values come down. It was like super- is rap music popular yet? Because <laughs> no, as soon no. as that happens, then I'll believe they're doing well. When we say progress, progressive presidents and yeah. politicians in Iran, we don't talk about culture. We're talking about right now. We're talking about like being able to buy fucking toothpaste because it was that. Difficult. You got to get that liberal commie out of here. All these <laughs> kids brushing their teeth. No, I mean, so all the banks um, were limited to what they could do, so people couldn't even send money to their kids living outside of okay. the country uh, because a lot of the banks were also under the same pressures as uh, as many other companies and corporates under the sanctions. Um, so the, so business has relaxed a little bit. He's got more of a free market mentality. Business has been relaxed a lot more. We're talking about like, I forgot how many, maybe seven to nine billion a year. Oh, wow. Nice. Which is a big chunk of money. But as far as the culture actually goes, he's still pretty... Uh, the culture he's got still... You know, people still do their shit. People have gangbangs and they fucking drink their ass off. It's yeah. just all underground. You, but you, So you can still get stoned if you're uh, visibly intoxicated stoned. in public. Oh, my God. All the <laughs> drugs in Europe comes from Afghanistan through Iran and then Turkey yeah. and then Europe. Everything goes through Iran. That's a good place to be. Mm. If you want opium and you want hash, coke, yeah. meth, a lot of meth. Oh, Believe Iran. it or not, Breaking Bad was like one of the most popular shows in Iran. Really? In English. <clears throat> That's amazing. I mean, it's I just, a very universal show. Like Iran, it's you know, it's definitely it's a country that's fascinating to me because like you never know because what people say is that you know it's more of a, like kind of a, a hardline country that it's not as western. The government is. Yeah, the government not is. The people. But you forget that you know all the people still dig shit like Breaking Bad. See, Iran's yeah. completely the opposite of the other countries in the region. Like, unlike the most of the Arab countries and even, like, to the east, Afghanistan, Pakistan, you have a government that's really hardline and fucked up, anti-West, mm-hmm. but you have a population that's actually ex- been exposed to the West. Their parents were all, yeah. you know, educated in the West. Like, my, my, my parents and their parents, my Great great parents from Switzerland, you know they studied in Switzerland. So you have a you have a population who's very pro Western, um, on top of the Western culture, Hollywood films, pop music. All they that seem stuff. to enjoy the good stuff too. Breaking Bad, very yeah. high class. It's, I'm happy oh, that it's, uh, it's all over the place. I just don't want to hear that two have, and a half men is doing well over there. But it's like the other way around. And then like Saudi Arabia is the, the complete opposite. You have a country country that's pretty kept, you know, very isolated. Mm. Um, People don't travel as much as people do in Iran, but you have a government that's open to the U.S. government. Right. Iran's the other way around. You have a population that's very open to the Western and democratic society cultures, but the government's fucked up. I, I mean, saw you- a really interesting graph the other day that showed uh, the um, they did a poll as to how uh, men in each Middle Eastern country, uh, country prefers the women to dress. Mm. And Saudi Arabia, like by far, it was the most, like it was like 40% of men preferred the full burqa. Like the full like face covered all eyes that guys, type huh? of stuff. Saudi yeah. Arabia is probably the most, if not the, it is, it's actually the most religious and extremist country in the Middle East. That's and, very yet there, and yet behind Israel, they're our biggest ally. Of course. So is Pakistan. Pakistan's our ally. And, and, you know, it's also one of the most extremist. These two countries are the breeding ground for Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're, the, uh, if you're a um, president in Saudi Arabia... You don't have to be that hard. There is no line, president. Right? Whatever a, it is, a dictator, it's a, a kingdom, guy, a, a kingdom, yeah. a king, the Shah, the Shah. Yeah, the Shah. Yeah. If Not you're even, that this dude, is straight up a fucking king, royal family. <laughs> they they, oh, they, they they own everything. So you just chill and out. all these other countries around it are the little sisters or little brothers of the kingdom, like Qatar, Bahrain, UAE. That's where you got to get into. But we, the we gotta, Saudi gotta, royal family. Yeah, that's what we got to do. <laughs> Start oh, wearing some purple. They have they have the people by the balls, and you know. That but the co- people seem to, uh, but the people don't mind it in Saudi Arabia. They do. It's actually, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, especially Saudi Arabia, has been long overdue from having a, a revolution. What happened, unfortunately, was after 9-11, um, the kingdom 
basically gave the people an option saying, look, you don't like me, but if you don't like me and if I leave, you're going to end up like Iraq. And look what's going on in Iraq and how terrorism and Al-Qaeda just took over the whole country after Saddam went. Yeah. So people are left with shit and shittery option and they pick the kingdom. They don't I even mean, pick it. So. It's just they don't, they don't uprise. They don't fight. They don't, you know. They yeah. don't Is there to- a possibility for a peaceful revolution in the Middle East? There's no such thing as a, I mean, revolution itself is just such an outdated thing ever. Yeah. I don't think we've had a successful revolution since the French Revolution. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah. we have not had a single, you, I mean, look at Ukraine. Mm. It, it was a nonviolent, pro-democratic revolution. How, how many years ago? Like maybe 10 years ago. It wasn't yeah. even 10 years ago, like eight years ago. And they're going through the same thing again. Iran was another disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not had... Revolution is a little bit outdated. It's just I have not seen... So what's, the, been a what's, lot of the, what's the alternative for change then? I don't know. I, I wish I had the... No, you know, governments like, like Syria that are going through like civil war or... Saudi Arabia and these We're other countries. We're going through change. <laughs> they just need to relax. You know, actually, yeah. a good example of it would be the Moroccan system. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a kingdom. They have a, you know, a monarchy system. And this guy's father was a fucking dick. I mean, he used to just slaughter people. The he current kill- king of Morocco? Well, the, now, after he died, yeah. his son came to power. And this guy's actually, he understands. He knows He's a nicer son than his father? Much more. He wow, un- that's, a, that's a rarity. So is uh, Assad. He's actually better than his father. His father was worse. But he understands that the cultures, the, 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 the society has not been open enough to a very fast, rapid change towards democracy and mm-hmm. freedom. It's sort of like going to middle of like Tora Bora and giving some fucking Taliban motherfucker a laptop. Yeah. And say, figure this shit out. They don't know what to do with it. You know? Uh, so oh, he'll uh, find porn sites immediately. <laughs> That's the one thing. <laughs> Probably. I'm sure. Interesting thing about Morocco in that uh, same uh, graph I saw as far as preference of uh, dress on uh, Middle Eastern women, Morocco was the most progressive. Progressive. Yeah, it was the one, it was the one where they, you know, they just kind of said like, we don't care what they wear. This guy's pretty good. He was a- he's actually the first guy who allowed the media to criticize criticize the government you know it's obviously not like like the daily show here in the states yeah but his father would just fucking cap you if he heard you said something in your own basement this guy's relaxing it so that's the that's that's really the way to go forward um not look at egypt egypt's a fucking debacle yeah it's not gonna fix anytime soon and i'll tell you that uh we can talk about Fallujah, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. You mentioned Iraq earlier. Oh, my favorite spring break spot. Oh, yeah. You got to go. F- <laughs> Fallujah 2014 spring break. Have go the there. Best wet hijab contests. <laughs> Holy Lord. If you go between March 15th yeah. and 26th. Oh, I would love to see a wet hijab contest. That Fantastic. Is, that is some erotic stuff. They pour oil over your hijab. And you <laughs> oh, isn't that something? <laughs> <laughs> burning don't, oil yeah don't yeah, light a burning. match near it um, but the Fallujah is just lost Marcus you can read that story. Republican senators on Saturday blamed the Obama administration for Al-Qaeda affiliates overrunning parts of Iraq including the city of Fallujah which the United States secured before President Obama removed all U.S. forces from the country in 2011 Senator John McCain Arizona and Lindsey Graham South Carolina called the recent turn of events quote as tragic as they were predictable and suggested Obama misled Americans into believing that Iraqi leaders wanted U.S. forces out of their country. And then immediately demanded they had to pee. We, um, we, we didn't secure Fallujah, by the way. I mean, it was just such a paper security. Yeah. No, we it was there. it was paper. It was money. Well, it, you know, for a while, I remember during like 2006 and like up to like 2009, Iraq was just shit. Mm. It was a complete civil war. What, what happened? Did like a huge global government go in and like destroy the country or something? <laughs> kind of, without, a, without any plans. Oh, without uh, Congress approval? So the looting kind of started the first day. Oh, days. wild. Okay. So what happened was that's when uh, Petres came in and yeah. he started the Awakening Project. Remember mm-hmm. that? And what, bas- what we did, and the only reason we actually brought peace to places like Fallujah and stuff like that was because we gave these um, warlords who were working mm-hmm. hand in hand with Al Qaeda, we gave them suitcases of cash every day. That tends to help. To, and I don't know if we stopped doing that. I don't know what it is, but we never really, we, we were just buying them off temporarily right. to stop helping and fighting with Al Qaeda and spreading Al Qaeda, protecting their neighborhoods 
and little tiny. Fallujah's not a big city. Just like, right. just keep the shit together. Do we not learn our lesson with Pakistan that just throwing money at people and governments doesn't keep them loyal to our cause? Pakistan. You know how many other countries we've Nicaragua? Yeah, <laughs> giving a bunch of money. I mean, that's the only. That's the only. That's the biggest uh, example I can think of off the top of my head is just throwing no, them billions for, of dollars in. It was just a big, big fucking disaster. We didn't have a plan. No exit strategy. No strategy. Nothing. I mean, yeah. the, the anarchy started from day one when we took over Baghdad. Remember, people were walking out of the palaces with fucking paintings and shit. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It started from there. We never had any kind of idea what we we're doing. We just went there to well, remove. Saddam. Well, and then yeah, and we that, can't take control of it. I heard a, a, an interesting theory the other day about that and why it was so fast and why we went in with no real plan is because Saddam was planning on switching over to the euro from the dollar. Uh, he threatened that, but that's that. You wouldn't say that's it like was a the same thing with Gaddafi it. going to the dinar for the uh, for the uh, oil there. No, that wasn't the main issue. There were we can come up. It with was a personal beef between yeah. Cheney and, it was, and Saddam. It was a it was a it was as it was as petty a political situation as the uh, situation going on with Chris Christie in New Jersey right now. It was a little <laughs> bit really, of payback. It really it was it was literally so Dick Cheney could watch a rival, a current rival, even though he's the one who propped him up. Or help prop him up, yeah. die. That well, was it. He just wanted to see Saddam hang, and he wanted to have a final it was Dick a, Cheney chuckle. The only way right. that the Cheney can chuckle, the best <laughs> chuckle around. Cheney's got the greatest chuckle in the history of politics. It was <laughs> a little bit of that's, pay, a, that's pay his back. only his only chuckle. Just <laughs> and it's only when he's watching a bunch of people die. He has a crazy <laughs> sense of humor. You would then, probably love last podcast on the left. And then what happened was Obama ran his first campaign as a messiah, and you know, fucking right. the Iraq War was such a disaster that if any any person said i'm gonna pull the troops out it sounded really good oh absolutely but it's like when you're having sex with not... a woman and she doesn't want to get pregnant you know <laughs> right. it's like let's let's not have another disaster on our but hands here anyone with any kind of common sense would figure out that and then what well he didn't mm. well, Obama, now Obama, is exactly what's happening yeah. Obama Obama does not like, care. wasn't fallujah like the bloodiest battle of it, the was. Entire it was war? huge it was it was, uh, it was on par with the vietnam when they i don't know the name of the battle but when they fought over that stupid damn hill hill 364 hill 364 i don't know i'm just no, no, uh, no it no. might as well Ham- be hill 360 hamburger hill no no but it was hamburger hill was based on that story it's yeah. just a hill that they were fighting over for no damn reason finally there were a couple. Uh, the there was US a hill and a, a base that was just kind of like stupid and then they left like three weeks later after it was based on talking smack yeah Who, really? that's it was like king of the hill yeah. I own this shit. It and is. then after that, like, we, we lost a lot. Of that reminds me of some great fond memories. King of the Hill. Don't mess with a chubby 10-year-old Ben Kissel when you're playing King of the Hill because <laughs> I was always King of that Hill. Oh, my God. I, was I loved King of the Hill. That I was, was my really game. good at King of the Hill because I, I, I could go for their knees. I was a little kid. You were probably, Take oh, down. you were snappy. Yeah, you were ben, snippy. Yeah. You were my worst enemy. Ben was like <laughs> under the giant. Oh, I was up there choke slamming people off the, uh, off the damn hill. But my major problem was when I did go down, and I did roll down the hill. Uh, you Very difficult the, to get you back took the up. the whole hill down with you. Yeah, you know, the hill, of course, it was under you a lot of stress. You would remove the earth. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. It was a controlled demolition of the hill. Jesus Christ. The first battle of Fallujah was called Operation Vigilant Resolve. Yeah. Well, that's a very catchy title. Remember those four contractors? Yeah. That was Fallujah. Um, it was interesting. I read an article in the New York Times about a lot of the Marines. They were discussing how... You know, this is a very this is very sad news. Usually, when you go into a war and you fight and uh, you lose your friends and you may have lost some limbs yourself, you don't see everything that you did reversed eight years later. In your like, these people are not even thirty yet. You know, we're talking. You know, of course they're 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 war veterans. And when you think of war veterans, you think of a limbless person shaking a can looking for coins in Union Square. You, you think know? of your grandfather uh, from Korean War. Exactly. I don't even know how he still chews that much tobacco and drinks that much whiskey, but he does it because he's a war veteran, and that's what war veterans do. But these are young people, 29, 30 years old, twenty eight. Um, war veterans and, in Middle East means like twenty. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's yeah. always war. Yeah, the Battle and, of Fallujah was two thousand four. Yeah, so these kids, they're 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 our age, you know, mm-hmm. um, thirty two and under. And uh, and he was just discussing how you know it's it, it everyone died in vain. By definition, everybody died in vain because of eight course. years later the entire city is gone. And like you were and saying, we're back, back it was all a facade book. anyway. Um, it was all a total facade. The, the 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 victory, the supposed victory in Fallujah. It was just, and I think also um, the the problem is also the U.S. government and governments in general. 
um, they play to the news media as well, right? Like the 24-hour news cycle has created sort of quick wars, right? So you can go in and you can create a narrative. So it's like winning Fallujah. They knew they were just paying these people off, like you said, and they knew that like... That was the only way. We couldn't fight. Yeah, and and technically we have just won this, you know, small snippet of time in history. If we had to win it by fighting, we would literally have to drop a fucking A-bomb. Right. Start from zero. And that's insane. And it's not happening. And and Iraq was an urban war. Right. Which is the worst kind of war you can possibly fight. Even I would almost argue worse than Vietnam. Because at least in Vietnam, you know... Beautiful sunrise, nice no, fields. In an urban war, F-18s and aircraft carriers don't mean shit. Yeah, and no. that's a, our biggest strength. That's, yeah, because we're, we, we come from a Cold War era. We're mm-hmm. trained for conventional war, not cavemen. You know, I... I, well, it's similar to what happened in uh, with the Civil War when uh, what was it the North or the Confederates that stopped that stopped doing the kneel down and shoot and, and then you can march. Well, who, who started wow. flanking? I think it was the I think the North started <laughs> yeah. flanking and then the South was like, "What are you doing? That's not how you kill people." Well, that's no, the, you're it, killing it, them it, all it was the, so, it was was the, the South, South doing it. Yeah, they was the South because they weren't a, a trained military force. Right. But you could go before that. That's how we be, beat the Redcoats. Yeah. Insurgency, right? Yeah. Were insurgents oh, we were the terrorists. We were the terrorists against these the Brits. Yeah. Show with redcoats, fucking Johnny. Like, like that's what the Redskins need to change their name to. The Redcoats. Oh, that's gonna work well. It's <laughs> gonna be huge. <laughs> they would kneel down, and you had them like you know use their minute guns and minute yeah. min, minute men guns. Well, now that's does that make the fight? French Al Qaeda? I guess so. <laughs> I think no, it would. It would actually no, 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 no. It would make the French like Saudi Arabia. Ah, I like it. The Al Qaeda were the insurgents. Mm-hmm. Then we're the Al Qaeda, and you know that's how they started. <laughs> they there were snipers. There were people like ambushing the redcoats mm-hmm. while they were like going from one city to another behind the trees and shit. And so, the war game changed. Another interesting thing with uh, with Fallujah too. It's like every one that was interviewed in this. Some of the Marines blamed Obama for pulling out. A lot of the Marines blamed uh, W for getting in there in the first place. Please. But all of them agreed that they should not send troops back in. Kind of yeah. everyone just agreed, Which means at the very least in this article, um, agreed that, uh, you know, we're not going back. You, you can't uh, pretty much rewrite history is what they What saying. we need to agree is, like, we should have never gone in in 2003. Right. So this is, it is all Bush's fault. I mean, granted, I don't think Obama wanted to be there. That book that Gates wrote, which yeah. I really want to read. But there were some snippets about the Iraq war. Um, and he was just saying pretty much... Bush's idea of, of, of succeeding in Iraq is in 10,000 years when the whole world lives in utopia, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Iraq is also doing well because Bush in 2003 went and fucking invaded Iraq. Yeah. Eventually, all these countries are going to improve. But you jackass, you don't just go in like that. And the best thing Obama could have done because he was doing the exact opposite of what Bush was doing was to say, I'm going to pull the troops out. But honestly, pulling the troops out was just putting a Band-Aid on the whole thing because right. Iraq was not a stable country and still isn't. And even Baghdad itself, which is the capital city of Iraq, it shit blows up every day in different yeah. spots of it. Fallujah is just a complete clusterfuck. Right. But we have bigger problems around the whole country. Yeah, so I mean, abandoned, they- on, abandoned on a gun wound doesn't, uh, you know, get rid of the bullet. And I think that no. bullet is still in there. And uh, and it makes sense that these people with, uh, with suppose, I mean, I think we also brand people Al-Qaeda very base, very, like, broadly. But it makes sense that these people, it's almost like, uh, I just watched the movie King of New York. Great movie. Excellent. Christopher Walken. Have you ever seen it, Marcus? No, I haven't. Some of it's in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And I'll tell you. Late 80s classic. The Williamsburg that I live in is a little bit different than the Williamsburg people lived in in the 80s. That's what I learned. (laughs) Williamsburg 10 years ago. I was was like watching the King of New York and I was like, where does Christopher Walken brunch? (laughs) I don't even understand. How does he get his great bloody Marys? The only people that gained anything out of this entire war... And, you know, good for them. Uh, and they definitely deserved it. Were actually the Kurds. Yeah. The Kurds were like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm dividing the country. The Kurds are living completely in a different country. Well, the, and the Kurds were the majority because uh, Saddam Not was the a Shia, right? No, no, no. Saddam was actually a Sunni. He was a Baathist. The majority of the country were and are Shiites. Okay. But the other minority groups, um, the Sunnis ruled. But the majority were Shiites. But there are also Turkmen's linked back to the Turks and Kurds. Yeah, and I think the by Kurds your, like, were big, big, 
big minority. I think like four more appearances from you, and I'm going to get all this straight in my head. It's, it's very confusing stuff. Yeah, it's extremely I mean, when you say Kurds, I think of cheese, and then when you say the Sunnis rules, <laughs> no. I think of O'Doyle about, from uh, Tommy Boy. So about 50 to 60 percent of the population sheep. are Shiites. Yeah, and then uh, the other, then the next large majority. Um, which actually ruled the country were the Baptists and the Sunnis, which I, I, I don't want to make up make up numbers, but I'm going to anyway. Do it. We're yeah. like about thirty to forty percent Sunnis, and then the other ten to twelve percent were split between um, mostly Kurds and then some Turkmens. Turkey. So as far I like as that. I can, so as far so if I have this correctly, like the difference between like Shiites and Sunnis is like the difference between like Baptists and Methodists, right? Catholics and Protestants. Yeah, yeah. That, that, they just they have a different understanding of their um, Islamic religion. And everybody right. knows Protestants don't shave their legs, and uh, Catholics <laughs> do. That's one of the major differences. I can get them. into it, but it's probably going to be a waste of time right now. Of course. <laughs> I mean, uh, one more question I had to ask about uh, Iraq is, you were saying that, uh, you know, of course, like we still read about suicide bombings all the time. Who is doing this, and why are they doing it? You know, there's a wonderful book written by I want to say Robert Pape. Um, a professor from Chicago. And after 9-11, I think CIA and Homeland Security, everyone went to this guy because he had done the largest study on on, uh, suicide uh, bombers. And according to his book, it's exactly the opposite of what you would picture a suicide bomber to be. They're mostly educated. They're not stupid. They have a high IQ. Um, and they're not brainwashed. Terrible fashion sense. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Kind of like, like Muhammad Atta. Muhammad Atta was one of the you know main pilots during the 9-11, the Egyptian guy. Right. Most of those guys were educated. They actually traveled quite a bit ab- abroad. They, they spent the last 24 hours in strip bars and drinking whiskey in, in Florida. They knew how to fly a 747, <laughs> which is difficult to exactly. do. I couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. So they, it's just the ideology of you know the, the problem between... Uh, your religion's dick is bigger than mine mm-hmm. is the bottom line of it. Right. And, and so these guys are doing suicide well, bombings against, like, say, the, so it's what, like, Sunnis doing a suicide bombing to protest against, like, a Kurd government? Or which, are they just kill in, in, uh, in Iraq right now? Most of the suicide bombers that I've known and heard about are mostly... Uh, the Sunnis and linked link to Al Qaeda. Okay. Yeah. The Shiites well, I mean, don't. So why? So why are they still blowing up market? If the United States is out of there, why are they still blowing up marketplaces? Well, see, the thing what what Al Qaeda has been trying to do for a while, and they succeeded for a while till the Awakening Project, where by Petraeus was to prove to the world that the West is bad. They were deliberately trying to create a civil war. Between okay. the Sunnis and the Shiites. Okay. So that's why during the holy months of the Shiite Muslims, you see a lot more suicide bombings mm. in Shiite neighborhoods by the Sunnis. Okay. Because the more anarchy, the more civil conflict comes in within. That's what Al-Qaeda wants. Al-Qaeda is not exactly like Yale. <laughs> you know, they don't have like a policy in like environment, right. economy. It's all about conflict. And it's, like, it's about conflict and it seems like it. it's about street justice, which going back to the uh, king it. of New York, um, Larry Fishburne it's is like in the, it, Marcus. It's like the Cribs and the Bloods. It is like the Would, Cribs and the do, Bloods. Do you think they have like a, a manifesto about like well, what's good for the environment in 20 years <laughs> and what we should? No, but it's about yeah, like yeah. how we... They have a strategy, yeah. though. They do have a plan. I think it's a relatively similar to Bush's plan going in. I think it's a quick one, and right. they don't really fully uh, think out the process. Al-Qaeda, and that's what's going on in Syria, too. The, the main problem is... Um, but Al-Qaeda is providing... But, I mean, yeah. Okay, so you have the suicide bombers, which they're using uh, children for now as well. Yeah. There was a uh, story about a yeah. six-year-old girl. Vice that was did a great and- story on it. Uh, if you have time go and check out vice.com they did a whole thing on suicide bombers yeah. in pakistan and afghanistan which is very interesting um so but what al-qaeda does and correct me if i'm wrong with the analogy but larry fishburne he goes into uh it's like a uh, kennedy's fried chicken place mm-hmm. and uh and he gives and he's in there and he's yelling at the uh, i think it's a an indian fellow working there and he's saying very very mean things to him and he's kind of a, he's a bully you know, he's a murderer mm-hmm. uh, in his town. He's a gang member in this movie, King of New York. But he goes to the kids who want to play the video games. They don't, they don't have enough money for it. And he gives them, you know, enough money to play video games. And uh, he takes the food. He walks out without paying for it. Anyway, ends up getting arrested. But that's pretty much what Al-Qaeda does. They John Gotti. 
John Gotti, right? They use sort of mafia gang techniques. They they give people except a these guys. Bit. So I mean, but you would argue now? On- could you make an argument though that right now Fallujah, there is somebody, there are families that are happier with Al Qaeda in control than they were when the U.S. was in control over there? Not in any kind of normal sense. You know, it's it's a very difficult argument, and you have to kind of go and check each one of these cities individually and and try to talk about it. Because for example. Um, my own experience in Lebanon was that even though Hezbollah is a shitty organization and, you know, the war was a horrible disaster for Lebanon and Lebanon's economy after all those years, um, people still support Hezbollah because they're the, they're the first people that provide water, food, mm-hmm. buildings, shelter. And, you know, it's, it's first there, it's a social organization, then it's a militant. Right organization, and that's that's how they fool people, and that's what they're good at. Because no one in Gaza is really helping those people out. The Israeli right. government's blocked anything from going in and going out, unless they are, uh, allow it to go in. So organizations like Iran, Hezbollah, like you know PLO, and all these basically gangs do the same What's thing. The, PO, the People's Liberation uh, something, um, Palestinian Liberation. Organization, I think. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, so they give people uh, a couple of different things that they need. They're very they smart. They they know yeah. how to win the hearts and minds first. Right. So they make you dependent to their to their whatever they provide. Right. And then they use you to recruit you to fight for their cause. I mean, it just reminds me of a lot of uh, liberal policies. And that's what I think the problem is. I mean, it really does, though, in a lot of ways. When you have, I mean, right now, we have, what do we have? We have 40 million people on welfare. We have, you know. It's a, basic a, politics. Government. It's I what mean, we it, do. It is. No, this is what I'm saying. They you just know? do it on a smaller kind of scale. On and a much that's smaller what we call scale. terrorism. But I, because I that's, say a much more personal dirtier. scale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And it has to be yeah. personal. Uh, because if they, because these armies aren't official. Right. It has to be on a personal level. Uh, where there's not as much organization where you can say like, hey, I gave you water. Come on over here. Exactly. Uh, but here in America, right. you can say, hey, I'll pay for your college. Come on over here. Pay for your college or mostly sandwiches. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, so many people pay with that benefit card. Uh, every time I go out in uh, in Brooklyn, I work over there in Brooklyn now in, in Cobble Hill, mm. a very nice area. Yeah, right near where and, I live. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And there are some, um, you know, some more, um, I'll call them vintage parts of uh, of of the area and a lot of those people are are paying with the um with with the uh, with the food stamp card and whatnot. Fucking and, Christ, man. Every time I go to the boat to get the I, line is so long because everyone's got to swap their card. But I'll tell you they're really? they're yeah. just so particular. You would think that they had a, a black master card <laughs> because they want everything <laughs> so perfect. They oh I said I wanted my onions horizontal. I want my government cheese sliced <laughs> into perfect. two pieces yeah, into from ch- from this half to the from other. From right to left at a timely fashion. I mean, it's really nuts. But once you start getting people hooked on, uh, you know, providing them with the most basic human needs, water and food, which is pretty much the, uh, what these things provide, um, then you can really start to fuck with, uh, with everything. And you have total freedom because it's like my father. I wanted to move out uh, when I was seven years old because I thought my house was a shithole. And I didn't enjoy growing up there. Maybe 11. Yeah. I liked seven. Let's say 11. Seven was a good age, as a matter of fact. I had my cartoons. Seven was good. Let's say 11, 12. But I couldn't move out because if I moved out, I can't afford frozen pizza. You wouldn't be able to take care of yourself. (laughs) What would I do? You You couldn't even change your pants. I I mean, I could change my pants, but why would I bother? Everyone loves dirty (laughs) pants. Chicks think I'm cool. (laughs) Grungy, you know? By the way, when you were seven, I bet you were still seven feet. Oh my God! I was six foot seven when I was eleven. I was six foot seven you before I had pubic hair. When you were, when I was like twelve. But God knows, there is awesome. nothing Jesus. more difficult than growing up six foot seven when you're twelve no, years old. I'll tell you because what's Because you worse have the mind that. of a child and the body of an NBA basketball player. But, okay, so it gets worse though. You know what's worse than that? Being sixteen years old, five foot two, eighty six pounds. That was you. That was me playing Whoa. football. Well, buddy, I got I some water for you, and I, I have a vest you could wear. Are you upset? I have a vest you could wear. <laughs> Run into the mall. We can get some revenge on all those fucking cheerleaders making fun of you. Suicide vest? Yeah, it's a suicide vest. <laughs> we're going we're to take you to Strawberry, and every cheerleader that ever made fun of you, 
You guys want to talk about get the back kid in Pakistan? Oh, hell there yeah, There was a man. fella in Pakistan, the sweetest, most adorable kid. And I'll tell you, when I was 380 pounds, Marcus, this was my fantasy. Really? This my fantasy was jumping on a grenade. I don't know anything saving. about this story, so tell me from, from the... Uh, Marcus, read the story. Pakistan's prime minister announced Friday that a teenage boy who sacrificed his life to stop a suicide bomber who wanted to attack his school should be honored with the nation's highest civil award of bravery... Eitzaz Hassan, 17, died Monday in a remote village in Hangu, a district in northwest Khyber. Not Hangu. Pakhtunkhwa province. Hmm. Pakistanis have praised the boy since his teacher told police that he saw Hassan chasing the bomber who detonated his explosives, killing the team. See, that's where stupidity begins. You think, are you, <laughs> you blaming the kid here? You don't encourage and re, like, okay, the kid did a brave thing and I was wonderful. But you don't go all out like that and as a government promote such thing mm-hmm. martyrdom die for a cause it's still dying for a cause now this kid like i mean it's still for do, an admirable cause this, though we know? do the exact same thing here well if you know what? i school, teach my kid run the fuck away <laughs> well okay? yes run but you this know? kid he was a, he was a nice plumpy young boy well, and maybe he loved a girl in that classroom that uh, that this kid wanted to go explode and he said you're not going to get wendy but or you whatever tell um, your child you tell as a government, like wendy's my go to very often when it comes to ladies. I have to come what's the difference? Vanessa. Vanessa, yeah. Maybe he loves a Vanessa. Anyway, yeah. I'm just saying it's 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 still bad. You don't you don't go and promote something like that. What do you want to I mean, but this kid he did a good thing. You know, yeah, he jumped he, on a suicide bomber, he, did he got a exploded. Good thing, but the two- way Marcus just read it, it sounds like, you know, the government's like encouraging such activities. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanna know well, if I that guy that- would tell tell the same thing to his son. Son, next time uh, if someone wants to rob you, no, I don't fight think- back. <laughs> don't give him the dough, don't give him the keys or nothing. Well this just is fight a, back. This is a little hint uh, that I learned uh, while reading an article about uh, a police officer. When you are getting mugged and somebody demands your wallet, what you do is take your wallet out of your pocket, throw it, and then run in the opposite direction. I, I can hmm. give so you that, a better That's story. a technique. Here's what they teach you in the government. Have a dummy wallet. A dummy wallet? And a whole wallet with like $3 in it and some expired credit cards. And if you get robbed in New York, be like, that's all I got. So, I want to see the yeah. guy trying to get into the strip club, but he forgot his real wallet. All no, he this- is his dummy wallet. No one's going to believe him. Well, no, that's not what you use when you want to get into a strip bar. That's what you use when you're getting robbed. So you have two wallets. You have a fake one and <laughs> well, a good one. Well, then you can take both wallets. Well, then you get to get robbed twice. Well, then, 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 if, then, then you know, if you get robbed twice, which could happen in New yeah. York, yeah. you might need three wallets, two dummies. Triple the wallet. Every pocket has a wallet now? You'll be like Jeff, uh, George Costanza. Yeah, exactly. Having massive wallets. You know, yeah. what, what <laughs> you were saying about the government praising this kid, I mean, it goes even further. Uh, the uh, prime minister said that, quote, his brave act saved the lives of hundreds of students and established a sterling example of gallantry and patriotism. That's bullshit. I know I like how it. suicide bombers work. They can barely kill like three or four people. Yeah. At best, maybe twenty. Yeah, and that's what I was th- wondering about. It, is that if he so let's just kill say, if he tackled this he one, may have not killed this anyone. Is this one fat kid couldn't have shielded a blast or taken the brunt of a blast that could have possibly killed hundreds of students? Well, it sounds like the guy, the suicide bomber, was running away from the fat kid because he was scared <laughs> of the fat kid, and then the fat kid still tackled him, and then the bomb went off, and they were far enough away. It's where not they like were the, the suicide bomber was carrying a fucking napalm bomb, you know? Yeah. No, it, I, but no, but this. I, I think that this kid does deserve to be honored. People are comparing him to that uh, poor girl there that was shot a couple of years back um, in the head. And Malaya. The, the vid- Malaya. Yeah. Who was shot in, uh, where was that? Was that in Syria? Or in, was, that was Pakistan. And was Pakistan actually, well. she has a, a statement on that. She praised Hassan's bravery and called on the government to award him the country's highest honor. She said, I feel desperately sad that violence has taken another child's life in my country and sacrificing his own life. Atizaz uh, protected hundreds of innocent young students from being killed. I wish that in giving his own life, he helps to bring peace to my people and my country. But Her statement so- was way better than the rest of the statements that yeah. I heard from the rest of the government. You know what's so interesting, though, is uh, you know we're talking about this, and a lot of people in America are going to hear this story, and they're going to hear all these suicide bombing stories, and they're going to be like, of course, we have our own savages. stories. Kids end up with guns in schools every day. week. Yeah. Every week. There is a school shooting. Every, yeah. every, if it's Friday and there hasn't been a school shooting, I text my friend Dave and I think maybe this is the week. And then, <laughs> you know, I'll turn on CNN 30 minutes right. later, four shot in Texas. It is amazing how many kids. Luckily, this is the most dangerous place to go try to learn math and science. Luckily, like drones and, and suicide vests aren't part of the uh, Second Amendment. 
Yes. Or we would have had way bigger accidents in this country. There is going to be... Is it the Second Amendment? Yep. The right to bear arms. Although, I mean, I would... Can humans... I don't think that you're allowed to have a drone yet. I don't think... Police forces are allowed to have it. I don't think there's a law against owning a drone. You got to get drones then, I suppose. There will be, though. Actually, the government's... uh, uh, This was a year and a half ago, maybe. They put out a bid for any private builders to... Yeah. Propose and pitch their own drone ideas. So this Amazon's drone, coming out with drones. Amazon. Well, some people are saying that that was a fluke. Some people are saying it was just a publicity stunt. But I mean, it's really. Uh, Dude, I think that that's going to happen. I mean, last why thing, wouldn't it happen? I can't see that happening in New York. Why not? I mean, everything is in such close quarters. It you makes think all we're going to have like world. drones flying. We over already our heads? have. Huh. New York I've, already has drones. Yeah, so that's like the years. police. That's like one or two, but not like. Oh, there are Amazon's traffic is far more than the police. We'll see. And how is that going to get to my apartment? I mean, this is going to. I'm in a three B. Lower East Side. You don't even want to know how it's going to get in there. That fucking. You don't even want to know. They're going to knock on your window on the third floor. Jesus. Not drone. Drone my delivery. My super doesn't. Can't, he can't even get into my apartment. Here's a very interesting thing about the legality of drones: is that the FAA is suing a man for selling footage he captured while piloting his remote-controlled drone in a case that could decide the future of personal and commercial drone use in America. After Raphael Perker uploaded his footage of University of Virginia's medical campus to his website, uh, and Perker's operation was then classified as commercial, which the FAA doesn't look kindly upon, and the FAA sued him for $10,000. So this this guy is getting sued for ten grand from the FAA, which is a lot of money for him. It would be no money for Google. What about Google Earth? What about, I mean, everything is... Well, I mean, Google Earth is, is satellites. Yeah, this guy. So just, because it's a it's because it's a lesser technology, it's more illegal? This guy uh, well, just they needs own, a, he needs a good lawyer. That's all yeah. he needs. The he FAA needs, owns the air. Right. Like if you yeah, go they, in they the yeah, if you go in the air, then you have to file flight plans. You have to have permission, uh, especially if you're flying an unmanned drone, something like that. But that's what I'm saying. The whole Amazon thing seemed a little bit weird to me because how the fuck are you going to control? Like this is a big country, and if yeah. you, if everyone's going to order some shit and some drones going to have to carry it to your house, even if it gets there, let's say, let's say you live in a village, it actually can land in your backyard. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just so easy. How's it going to knock on your door? It doesn't have to knock on your door. Come I mean, and knock on my door. Well, I've been waiting for you. Thank you for my fucking Christmas sweater. Even though it's late January. And the whole point. Jerome. I mean, I will say, it will be sad when everything is automated. Everything borderline is automated now. But it will be sad if you get a package and it's really late and it's delivered to you by a drone. You can't yell at anybody. 40 no. years from now, people are going to listen to those podcasts and be like, God. What year was that? Morons. What were they? Of course. Like, the only way I could see this working is if you get that the drone comes to your house, it sends you a text message, you go out and you give it your thumbprint. That and could that's work. It, and that's the only way that like so it knows it's you and it only delivers to Probably, you. Probably. It's happening. Thinking Jeff Bezos coming out with some drone ideas, it's probably complicated. And you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. it's something really hardcore. Sure. Oh, it's ex- or it's already each city. Let, let's say New York has like maybe three drone spots where they right. text you and they're like, "Okay, your package will be delivered Tuesday morning at nine a.m. at certain uh, drone drop-off spot." Mm. And just like a FedEx or whatever you go to, you go to this field where your shit comes and you pick it up <laughs> and you sign for it. It's totally fine. Know. People are going to be completely yeah. comfortable with drones, and the U.S. government is going to be spying on us the same way that they spy on everybody in Yemen, Pakistan, all over the Middle East. And uh, that's the future of America. And I think it's the future of every country. I heard Google's also becoming, uh, Gmail, sorry, Gmail's becoming even less private. I didn't read Oh, it's all not private. Nothing is private. Mm. There was just the uh, the thing with the NSA where they can turn on your computer screen whenever they want to. I don't know why they would want to watch me, you know, looking at uh, Jenna Jameson or whatever, but uh, uh, they, they could if they did. The dead-eyed and, masturbation stare. Uh, uh, I'm not with Jenna now. I, mean, I haven't actually looked at smut in a while. Huh. Yeah. What's smut? Smut. <laughs> Hardcore pornography. Oh, it's, it's, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. smut. Yeah. Smut. Yeah. smut. Never heard that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I heard snuff and other stupid No, shit. snuff. Oh, no. That's, that's illegal yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah snuff's yeah, a whole lot. Yeah. No, smut's very illegal, yeah, but smut. smut is, I mean, that's when you're talking about, like, gangbang, but, like, the really hey, dirty stuff. When did we get, well, how does this happen? Yeah, you, know, you mentioned smut. All right, it doesn't matter. How do we go from Syrian drones to... It doesn't. Anyway. You know, we're always we're always right there. We're I'm just right yes there. and in you, man. Thank ben, you, Marcus. Ben Kissel. Oh, it's not my fault. In ten. 
and, and you were talking about the out. government spying on you and all the things I you're going to ja- come I up with, with Jenna Jameson. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> At least Never be up mind. to date. She's like 45 years yeah. old now. I'm not ageist. Just say Alexis Texas. Alexis Texas. That's about that. Perfect. Name, <laughs> that's her name. Alexis Texas. Ah, well, I know you like um, her. Yes. Well, everyone's wonderful. All women are beautiful and they need to be respected as people. <laughs> uh, that's what I always say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah. Man. Now I feel like I'm Dick Cheney. Uh, all right. Well, that's exciting. Let's see. Um, so I suppose that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think so. I'd say so. Iraq is fucked. Yeah. Drones are going to take over our country, mm-hmm. destroy our uh, freedom. Yeah. Destroy our civil liberties on a daily basis. Samana Bobby is amazing. Yeah. Afghanistan's an unstable narco state. What's that? It said Afghanistan is an unstable narco state. That's right. When was Afghanistan ever stable? Yeah, that is true. Why do we ever come up with this concept of making Afghanistan a stable country. It's never been stable. I'll tell you, that movie Lone Survivor, it doesn't look like a good film, but the uh, the interview with the guy, the main character of it, was really fascinating. It was. Uh, do you know about this story? Yeah, I, I, I looked it up yesterday, but... I don't, Man's a lunatic. I don't promote these films. No, I, I, I think that the films are propaganda films, and I think it, it's propaganda. It's like Black Hawk Down. Anything yeah. that glorifies these little fucking... Like little war stories. I don't care how cute it is. It's all bullshit. Now I saw the best war movie I've seen. I, I can't believe it took me this long to uh, to see it. And after seeing it, I immediately went out and uh, bought the book Jarhead. Oh yeah, I Jarhead. saw Jarhead. Jarhead. I'll give you my great. two favorite of all. T- I've seen Jarhead too. Okay, these are a must watch. My must watch war films ever, ever. Full Metal Jacket, of course. Apocalypse Now. Yeah, Apocalypse Now is my favorite. And it's funny, there's a great chapter in uh, in Jarhead where he talks about uh, they, he talks about how Marines watch those mer- movies versus how like leftist white, he's like all the anti-war leftists back home watch these movies and they say they decry like how horrible war is and it's important to yeah. have these movies out there exactly. and the Marines look at them like it's fucking pornography. See, the, 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 because it goes two ways. The, right, right. A lot, of, a lot of times, by the way, like Black Hawk Down and some flicks like that a lot of times like u.s military will pay for it yeah because it's it's a little propaganda to recruit kids mm-hmm. and it's kind of sexy you watch it you know you grew up watching gi well, there Joe was when just you were the, a kid. The, the navy seal movie that came out i would uh, it was I all financed by uh by the u.s government i grew up with a um, kid uh we used to watch full metal jacket all the time and he that went, was very close to yeah. the reality of what and How he loved it. Was. He went into the army, uh, and he ended up going to Iraq. And uh, his sniper, he he became a sniper, and his uh, nickname ended up being Strict Nine because he killed so many people. Jesus, but he Jesus. loved Full Metal Jacket, not because yeah. of any kind of anti-war message, but because he got off on it. I had a huge sure. obsession. About, I don't know why. My high school years uh, about the history of the Vietnam War. F- fucking just. Constantly, I was reading up old yeah. magazines, and these two movies are the most accurate fi- films about the war and how that war was like to, well, to watch. It is interesting, though. I like that. I, I wasn't expecting the word to come out of your mouth, pornography, the way that the Marines view these movies. Smut. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, smut. I mean, but smut. I can totally see that. <laughs> it is smut. And, and uh, I, I, would, uh, I would assume if you have lived uh, in actual war and you see it the way that it's depicted on screen, you would have to feel, uh, first of all, you have to feel, I mean, the flashbacks alone mm. would be a living nightmare. Yeah. And then the, just the way they glorify it in uh, glorifying other Marines' deaths, uh, I think that that would be uh, very upsetting. It's the same thing as how... And it's just so but it's normal. Not, it's not your war. Like a Vietnam vet could watch Apocalypse Now or Platoon and have sure. flashbacks, but someone about to go to, you know, like the Iraq War or Desert, yeah. the Second Iraq War or Desert Storm or something like that. It's not their war. They're not in the desert. They're not in the jungle. They're in the desert. They can remove themselves from that, but they still love watching a machine gunner taking down uh, Vietnamese villagers well, you have something like while riding the Valkyries place. Right, right. You have something like this Lone Survivor movie, and the interview with the guy was, was pretty interesting. I mean, it's a pretty horrific situation where, um, you know, basically what happens in this movie is the story is there was it was four dudes, four Marines that were uh, hanging out on a mountain. They were had some strategic thing they had to get through. A, uh, a goat herder came by, saw him, and they were like debated, like, "What do you do? Do you tie him up? Do you kill him? Do you uh, do you uh, do you do you um, you know like give him cash? What do you do with him?" They let ended up letting him go, and the guy was like, "What would you do?" The interviewer was like, "So what would you have done in hindsight?" He's like, "Well, we would have killed the fucking goat order, uh, herder, which is like a brutal thing to even think about." And then um, basically, what happens is. 
then two the, hours later, they get surrounded by a bunch of folks, and uh, they just three out of the four, you know, completely get destroyed. I remember this and, story, and then they send rescue helicopters, which ended up being a disaster. Yeah, it just never yeah. worked out. Nothing was good, yeah. and uh, it was it was very uh, very interesting. But it is it must be a, a conundrum for a marine to even uh, propose to write a book and have a movie created about it because it does glorify war. You've lived through the horrors of war, and now you're benefiting off the death of your three fr- yeah. uh, three friends, exactly. Yeah. Which is really kind of a bizarre uh, and it's predicament same, to be in. It's the same shit. Um, I don't want to compare it exactly. <laughs> To like what Al Qaeda does, but martyrdom and things right. like that, which is done by suicide bombers and stuff like that, is glorifying these kind of deaths and sacrificing yourself for your cause and shit like that. Absolutely, and I mean, it's that's always why bad because who's going to watch this? It's going to be some fourteen-year-old kid. That's right, and that's basically it. Because if I watch it, I'm going. I'm not going to go. But it, it's just a, a recruitment kind of. That's why I love Jarheads. That if you watch yeah. Jarhead and want to go into the military. There's, I don't know what you're thinking because it's all about the boredom of the war and the stresses of the war. Jarhead was about the s- snipers that ended up not killing yeah. anyone yeah. at the end. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they Jamie, Jamie Foxx and, and... Yeah, yeah, Jamie Foxx yeah. and Jake Gyllenhaal. Right, yeah. Right, 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 Yeah, it's a great movie about these uh, these Marines, the, uh, the stay unit, the uh, sniper unit in the Marines that go to Desert Storm and they go like when it was still Operation Desert Shield at and the they beginning. just sit in Saudi Arabia for three or four months. They just want to go kill. Yeah, they just want to go kill and then... That's all Sad. it was. Yeah. They just wanted yeah. to go get numbers. Yeah. So they could tell a story. I went to war and mm-hmm. I killed someone. And, yeah. right. and that was the whole fucking yeah. thing. And then fi- yeah. And then finally, huh. uh, Operation Desert Storm starts and it lasts three days. And they get one opportunity to kill a guy. And, uh, and there's a competition it, between them. Yeah, like they had like one opportunity to kill a guy. These two guys, the, the sniper and the scout, the sniper and the spotter. Uh, and then right as they're about to take the shot, uh, the sergeant comes in. Another and says, group comes in. Yeah, yeah, and he says, he's like, no, 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 stop. Stand gonna, down. He's like, we're going to do the airstrike. He's like, watch this, boys. And they just... <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious! And just fucking airstrike it. fucking yeah. place. It's not really hilarious. It's it's horribly sad for some reason. No, and, and I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's so sad, sad that these guys didn't get to kill someone, but it is. I mean, they wanted but, to go kill, so I suppose when someone doesn't get to accomplish their goals really and like, dreams, and, you know, and I just, that's and the in the middle best of reading the book scenario. Yeah, in, in a war. Yeah, actually. yeah. You not go, being able to kill. You walk away without mm-hmm. having been killed or having to have to deal with like killing a family by accident or whatever the fuck it is yeah that's the best case but when they glorify these things it's yeah mm-mm. it is very interesting and you're right though it is very similar to uh uh the pakistani story that we heard about the the, the kid uh you know chasing down the suicide bomber and now he's uh you know he's a martyr in his own right and we do um put these martyr. people on hero status but i mean it, it is a um it isn't an, 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 it's a uh ignorantly brave situation it is because you know when i was a kid in iran one of the stories they used to tell us in 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 classes in school was during the iran iraq war was about this 13 year old kid 13 year old kid who had volunteered to go fight against the iraqis and the story was that his name was something ali or whatever something ali now you got to be making that up no 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 no. are you are you sure it's something ali no it's a true story and 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 the story was that this kid was so brave a 13 year old kid not only volunteered to go to war but he ran out of uh, ammo or whatever and he saw iraqi tanks coming towards the iranian front and what he did was he grabbed a grenade he popped a little he took the pin out and he jumped under a tank and took himself out and the tank. He could have just thrown the grenade. Well, he didn't. That was the, that was the story. And I don't know if it, it was true. Right. They but actually another, gave him a but, name. They uh, they interviewed the But strangely, the another story where the hero dies. Always. Like this whole, well, it's sexy. This whole, it's like yeah. a little Che Guevara story. It's like, you know, yeah. you die for a cause. It's very sexy. So now let's all go join this fucking... Um, I think that it might be one of a... That might, might be a cultural difference because in all, most American action like hero movies, the hero lives. And when the hero dies, people... Not recently. Out. Well... Breaking Bad. Well, Breaking Bad, but is he a hero? I mean, the man's a meth dealer. He killed thousands of he kids. He was in that a community. hero. The I only reason we so. watched it was because he was a hero. I mean, even in the last episode, they made him a hero. He, They're like, yes. he is a hero because he just needed something, and he he did what he had to do, even at the co- like expense of his own family, just to feel happy for one minute. That's how they ended it. That's. That's what Jake the Snake Roberts does. <laughs> the pro wrestler who's right. addicted to crack. But no, he? he did feel happy for one more. Yeah, he was. Oh, it shit. doesn't matter. Well, you've been hanging out with him? 
No, I ha- I don't know Jake the Snake, oh, but I'm sure okay. we could get him on. Uh, probably. I mean, yeah. I don't think he's doing well. While he's on crack? Oh, my God. We'd he's always on him. crack. With crack. <laughs> That's what you got to do with Jake the Snake Roberts. To get him on your show, pay him with crack. Uh, but to get Simon or Bobby on your show, play him with, uh, pay him with Black Label. Uh, the greatest liquor around. Is it ever? <laughs> Thank you, Saman. I think that Thank that's it, right? That's that's it. See that should be the whole Happy thing. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy and, uh, New Year. Happy New Year. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell year. you one thing, Marcus and Mr. Arbabi. Um, this is going to be a good year. 2014 yes. is going to be a strong, positive year for everybody, and we're going to really go out there and and do a lot of important things. I'm gonna I'm gonna relive my King of the Hill days. Ooh, yeah. I'm going back to the top, baby. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna take you down with a good old knee shot. You well, big fuckers f- don't even. I'm know I'm gonna what's leave coming. you guys alone now. You can <laughs> settle this between yourselves because it's getting ugly. Thank you, Stevan. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.